What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the first and foremost sports podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Covington. What's up? What's up? I'm the one. I'm Quentin Davis. And we're back at it again with episode 44. Uh, Quinn, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Jimmy, how about you, bro? Uh, I'm doing pretty good, man. I can't really complain at all. Went to the mall a little early today and did a little bit of shopping, man. I can't complain. Had to treat yourself a little bit. Oh, yeah. Not too, some slight, you know, not too much, not too much. You get some, uh, you get some kicks. What the shoe scene looking like right now? Uh, I saw some Asics, the Gel Light 2s, the OGs. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But all they have is a size 12. They was a shade too big. But uh, they had them on the website, so I just ordered them about 20 minutes ago. So, had to have them. You know what? You know what I want to get me, bro? Which these ain't nothing new. They they super old, but I want me some uh Air Monarchs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna give me some Air Monarchs, bro. It's gonna do it for the culture. Man. I got to, got to, got to, man. Let's go ahead and get started here today. Today is the start of the NFL new league year. Uh, free agency has started. Players have been signing everywhere. Teams have been vastly improving uh, on paper so far, obviously. Uh, so let's go ahead and get started. So first, uh, we're going to discuss our five most improved teams through free agency. So I'm going to start this segment off. So for me, the most improved team thus far through free agency has to be the New England Patriots. They signed the two best tight ends on the market, uh, John U. Smith and Hunter Henry. They signed two solid wide receivers in Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne. They added a, a solid pass rusher and Matt, Matt Judon. They added Davin Godshaw, Henry Anderson. Uh, they added Jalen Mills. They acquired Trent Brown once again. They re-signed Deatric Wise and Justin Bethel. And listen, I mean, they did what they needed to do. They, they had holes on off offensively, and they addressed those holes. It was tight end, was a source spot for them last year, and so was wide receiver. And they filled those needs. Now, I may, in terms of wide receiver, it may not have been the most spectacular players or the biggest names, uh, but they're solid players, nonetheless, and Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne. Uh, we've seen over the years that Cam Newton is used to used to not having, you know, top-tier elite receivers. Uh, so that's nothing new. But he ha- is used to having a good tight end, and Greg Olson was definitely a good tight end. Now he has two of them. You know, they also can run the ball well. Their offensive line has got – they've, you know, improved the offensive line, added some depth on the defensive line in the, se- in the secondary. So in the, uh, New England – it's definitely going to be a team to watch. I definitely see them competing for the AFC East title, and I expect them to definitely be in the playoffs. So they were my they were my number one, clear-cut number one. I had them definitely in my top five of improved teams. For me, uh, I would say I was really kind of really split down the middle on the free agent signings. They definitely filled a bunch of needs. We know that. Pretty much Cam was working with no weapons last year. Even Tom Brady in his last year before he went to Tampa Bay. Uh, But they brought in a lot of pieces. Uh, But I do think they may, when we look back on it and maybe a year or two, they may have overpaid for a few guys. But, you know, ultimately, I mean, Judon, he's a pro ball pass rusher. Uh, They bring in two tight ends kind of reminiscent of when they had uh, Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez. Remember those days. Um, and then they brought in Nelson Aguilar. He was a deep threat with the Raiders last year. And then, you know, I think at this point, the question is, 
if they can get to the playoffs, what can be able to lead them to a Super Bowl. And, you know, I don't doubt that he will, but that just remains to be seen. I still wouldn't be shocked if a quarterback fell to them in the first round like a Mac Jones. I could see them snatching him up. I definitely still think you draft a quarterback. I mean, they only signed Cam to a one-year deal. So I definitely, you know, if a quarterback falls in your lap that you like uh, for your first-round pick, you know, I definitely suggest that you draft him. Never, you know, like yes. I said, Cam Newton. Cam Newton is, you know, a, he's a he's going to be a bridge quarterback for them. I mean, I don't, I don't think that's any secret. Yeah. So definitely, I liked a lot of these moves ultimately. So I gave them a B, just because I felt, you know, some guys they overpaid for a little bit. So that's why I didn't have them at the top. I actually gave him an A minus if we want to do grades. I did give him an A minus. I didn't think it was an A plus plus. You know, I'm thinking instead of, you know, Kendrick Bourne, you maybe could have targeted, you know, a more consistent and more prominent receiver. Uh, but nonetheless, Kendrick Bourne is solid. Uh, you've watched him in San Francisco last several years. So, yeah, definitely. Uh, he actually developed into a solid third down threat and a pretty good weapon in the red zone. His biggest issue is just always consistency. So hopefully he can get that a little bit uh, in New England. So I think he will, especially with all the talent they have around him. Now for my number two team, I have the defending champions, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now you may be thinking, oh, they didn't really sign anybody new. They didn't, but they brought back, you know, some of the, the core players. They brought back Shaquille Beard, uh, four years, $68 million. They re-signed Levante David, who's a second-team All-Pro. They re-signed Gronk. They franchise tag Chris Godwin. So, you know, right now they're in negotiations with uh, Nadama Kasu is what, you know, what reports came out earlier today. I haven't heard much about, you know, Leonard Fournette or uh, Antonio Brown, but I figure Antonio Brown will probably be the least likely to re-sign. And I'll, I'm interested to see what they'll do with Leonard Fournette. But Ronald Jones did lead their team in rushing last year uh, up until he got hurt. And, you know, Leonard Fournette led the way come playoff time. But I think Ronald Jones is a more than capable running back. And I think there's also some running backs still, you know, on the free agent market that would command less money than Leonard Fournette might. So, but for them, uh, I also, I give the Tampa Bay Buccaneers a B-plus for a grade because I think they bought, brought back the most important players uh, that were free agents. You know, I can't I can't knock you for that one. Tampa Bay is definitely a good choice. Like you said, a Super Bowl champion, you always want to retain your key core pieces. And they've done that so far this offseason. Uh, you know, like you said, minus Leonard Fournette and Antonio Brown. If I had to guess, I'd probably say Leonard Fournette is probably gonna resign or sign somewhere else. But definitely they they definitely made some waves in free agency. But uh, my next top five team, I'm going with the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, similar to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they were able to re-sign uh, some pretty important players. Of course, probably for any other team in the league, re-signing a fullback would probably be a pretty bad deal. But, you know, Kyle Juszczyk, he's used as a tight end, a running back, a blocking fullback. I mean, he can even split out wide. Um, but in Kyle Shanahan's offense, he's invaluable. So we definitely have to re-sign him. And then this morning, Trent Richardson, oh, Trent Richardson, Trent Williams 
got the largest contract for offensive lineman in NFL history, uh, making up to $138 million. So uh, definitely retaining him was priority number one this offseason. And also on the side, another move, they got center Alex Mack on a one-year deal uh, to bolster the center of the offensive line. So that could be an underrated move as well because he's played with Kyle Shanahan both in Atlanta and in Cleveland. So I gave the 49ers a B. They were one of the five most improved teams uh, for me personally because uh, they also got – Samson Ebucom too from the Rams. For me, I didn't have San Francisco, you know, in my top five, uh, because of all the cornerbacks that they lost. And I think that's that. I mean, they I know they were able to bring back Emmanuel Mosley, uh, but they still so far Jason mm-hmm. Verrett hasn't signed. They lost Richard Sherman. Yeah. They lost Jaquaski. We got Verrett back. I got Verrett back. We got okay, I, didn't, I didn't see that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, they lost Richard Sherman. One year. Yeah. yeah. So. And lost your cost. So you lost two starters, basically. Uh, but I'm sure you should be and able K-1 to. And Kwan Williams. Yeah. And I'm sure they should be able to, you know, fill those spots uh, via the draft or, you know, who's ever left right. in terms of free agency. Uh, but I just didn't have them in my top five. But I definitely don't have a problem, you know, with them being there. Right. Yeah, same for me with Tampa Bay. Uh, I think re-signing some, in some situations is just as important or more important uh, than who you bring in through free agency. So, For me, for my number three, I have the New York Jets. So the first move for free agency was to franchise tag safety Marcus May, who was ranked as the fourth best safety in coverage over the last two seasons, according to Pro Football Focus. Uh, that was, I'm sure that was probably their number one priority. They also were able to bring in court, talented receiver Corey Davis, uh, Pass rusher Carl Lawson and Jared Davis. Uh, Corey Davis is instantly their best receiver right now. Uh, he feels a need of uh, getting playmaking on the outside. Corey Davis, I don't think he's a wide receiver number one. I think he's a number one receiver, uh, but he is talented. He was the number five overall pick uh, four years ago. So there's some talent there. Uh, he is a big play threat, averaged 15 yards to catch last season. So I think, you know, he'll provide a much needed upgrade. And Carl Lawson also fits a need. They'll be going from a 3-4 team, which they've been since 2006, to a 4-3 scheme, which is what Robert Sala ran in San Francisco, and Carl Lawson fits that. Now, in terms of, you know, putting up sack numbers, Carl Lawson only had five and a half sacks last year, uh, but he pressured the quarterback over 32 times. So, you know, we both know when it comes to, you know, measuring, you know, the pass rush, it's not all about sacks. It's, it's about quarterback carries and the amount of hits that you get on the quarterback, the amount of, amount of pressure that's being applied. It's not always sacks. I think they overpaid for Carl Lawson a little bit at about $15 million a year. Uh, but that's pretty much the going rate for pass rushers these days. Uh, at least if they're, uh, I would say for above average pass rushers, that's about the going rate, at least 14, 15 million. So, you know, I figured that would have been the deal. He probably would have got anywhere, anywhere else in, in, anyway. So, and they also added, you know, a veteran linebacker in Jerry Davis uh, from the Detroit Lions. So I think they had a solid, you know, solid offseason so far. And I think they're going to make some more moves as free agency. Well, not as free as the draft approaches. Yeah, this is actually another team we agreed on. Uh, for one, like you said, Marcus May was probably priority number one for the offseason. Uh, so franchise tagging them at least was a good option. Um, and I think, too, for one, you know, the Jets had a lot of money to spend this offseason. But I think for the most part, at least so far, 
they've they've spent it pretty smart. You know, I think Corey Davis and Carl Lawson, while we don't think of them as like elite or maybe even top 10 at their position, given, you know, they'll have more opportunities this uh, season, you know, they could catapult to at least, you know, top 15 or right outside top or top 10 in their groups. Uh, But they definitely instantly improved the team. Um, And whether or not, you know, I'm thinking at this point, they'll keep Sam Darnold. So they'll probably continue to build around him even through the draft. But I like all the moves they made, and I also gave them an A. I do, yeah. The Jets, you know, they've had a solid offseason thus far. I, I think, uh, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting to see how they play this season and who's going to be the quarterback going forward. Right. Excuse me. Now, I had my previous number four I'm going to have to change because we just got, some, just got an alert. Uh, Curtis Samuel has signed with the Washington football team. Uh, Washington was actually ranked number five for me, so I'm going to move Washington up to number four. Uh, started off by franchise tagging, you know, their all-pro guard and Brandon Scherf. Resigned kicker Dustin Hopkins. They signed Ryan Fitzpatrick to a one-year deal. They added William Jackson III, who's argu- who was arguably the best cover corner in free agency. They added him after losing Ronald Darby. Uh, they filled a need, you know, with Jackson. Uh, they upgraded at quarterback, obviously. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, no matter what people think about him, he is a solid quarterback. You know, I think he's, you know, a slightly above average, a slightly above average starter. He can win you some games. We saw what he was able to do with Miami last season before, you know, Tua took over. And, you know, and adding Curtis Samuel, like I just said, their latest addition, that was big time. They needed a threat opposite of Terry McLaurin. And that's exactly what they did. Curtis Samuel had over – a thousand yards from yards from scrimmage last season. Uh, he had 851 receiving yards, and uh, that was right behind. That was behind, you know, DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, who both were 1,000 yard receivers. So you know, he was still able to, you know, able to put up some some solid numbers, uh, even being third fiddle. Yeah, I actually agree. Washington was next for me too. This was a good move because, uh, which we'll actually talk about in a little bit, but. I thought Curtis Samuel was one of the best uh, free agents left on the board. Uh, but, of course, they franchised Brandon Sheriff, like you said. They got Ryan Fitzpatrick, who I think that's going to be a huge move because we saw the carousel that they had at quarterback last year, and they were still able to get to the playoffs. And if they could have had any better uh, quarterback play, you know, they could have gave the Buccaneers a run for their money at least. Um, and then they got William Jackson. That's a good, solid pickup for that secondary. And they also re-signed their kicker, uh, Dustin Hopkins. And then, like you said, they just got Curtis Samuel. Like you said, he'll be a, a huge threat opposite of Terry McLaurin. They'll be able to thrive, you know, off of each other, both Ohio State guys. Um, and I still think, you know, they could find a long-term quarterback option in the draft. Uh, but definitely getting Fitzpatrick gives them more flexibility on what they'll do. Um, and I, but I, honestly, I definitely like their moves. I at first, I had them at a B. Oh, my bad. My bad. My go, ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say, at first, I had them at a B, but with the Curtis Samuel move, I, I bumped them up to an A minus. I definitely will give them an A minus, too. And I, I don't think they're done, honestly. I think they, you know, have, I think they could add another mm-hmm. tight end. And, you know, Gerald Everett, I think, is the best remaining tight end on the market right now. 
So if I'm Washington, I'm trying to get Gerald Everett just to add, you know, to the weapon to the weaponry that they already have. You know, they had drafted Antonio Gibson, who had a a great rookie season. Terry McLaurin, thousand yard receiver, uh, despite facing a lot of double teams mm-hmm. and even triple teams at time. Uh, Logan Thomas, you know, was a pleasant surprise last season. And like you said, they just added Curtis Samuel. So Washington is they won the NFC East last year, and they're looking like looking like they may be the team to beat once again. Now moving on yeah, to my, I agree with you. That's go ahead. Oh, yeah. go ahead. I, I was just gonna, I was just gonna say I agree with you. They seem like they're the cream of the crop in the NFC East. So it's looking like right now. Uh, I definitely don't want to play Washington. I wouldn't want to play Washington, especially with their front seven, uh, adding William Jackson the third. You know, and now that offense, it looks like it's going to be you know a lot better this year. It's better on paper, so mm-hmm. a lot better on paper so far. Oh yeah. And as you said, they could still make some moves. So. Definitely. But moving on to my fifth and final team in my top five, I have the Los Angeles Chargers. Their best move so far is signing a center, Corey Lindsey, away from the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Lindsey was the best center on the market by far. He was first-team All-Pro in 2020, and that filled a need. Marquise Pouncey retired early in the offseason, and, you know, they had a hole there, and they filled it. They also re-signed uh, Michael Davis, who's a very underrated cornerback for them. Over the last mm. two seasons, uh, last season, he had five interceptions, 23 pass deflections, and he had a 76.6 rating when he was targeted, which is, you know, above average in terms of, you know, opposing quarterback rating. And they let go of Casey Hayward, who only has three interceptions, 16 pass deflections, and a 90.8 rating when targeted over the last two seasons. So Davis has more interceptions in the last two seasons, more pass deflections, and a better ratings in the last two years, and he's less expensive. So, you know, when you when you can retain your homegrown players uh, that are playing well, that's always a plus. And they basically did it at, a, you know, at, I would say a discount. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't knock you for that one. The Chargers were definitely, uh, which I felt these two teams are pretty interchangeable. Uh, the Chargers were almost in my top five for most improved teams. But I definitely like the Corey Lindsley pickup that they made, uh, especially for protecting Justin Herbert. But my last team, I actually got the Cleveland Browns. Uh, they signed, So they got Tag McKinley on a, a cheap one-year deal from the Raiders. But the move I like the most, uh, they got safety John Johnson from the Rams uh, for three years, $33 million. Uh, He's one of the top young safeties on the market. And in my opinion, they got him at a great value. Um, And, you know, he's a playmaker. He's a leader. And that's sorely what they lacked last year uh, in that secondary for Cleveland. So along with him coming, they'll have some guys getting healthy. Uh, they could be pretty dangerous next year. So for that move, I gave them my A. I definitely like Cleveland too. I, I actually believe they got John Johnson at a discount. To be completely honest with you, you know, I was oh, thinking, yeah, no doubt, I was thinking he's gonna get somewhere in the neighborhood of you know fourteen to 15, 14 to seventeen million a year because uh, he's been a baller uh, for the Rams for these last four oh, yeah. seasons. If you've watched them closely, and you know they're getting back Grant Dilpit. Uh, towards Achilles, I think, before the season started last year. But getting him back. Yep. And, you know, they lost Carl Joseph in free agency, but I think John Johnson is a major upgrade over uh, Carl Joseph oh, yeah. in terms of at the safety position. Oh, yeah. So, 
you know, when you got, you know, a good, good safety back there like John Johnson, it makes it, you know, a lot easier on your defense. And hopefully Grant Delpit can return to the form that he had at LSU. And, you know, they'll have probably have one of the best, you know, if he can do that, they'll probably have one of the best young safety tandem, tandems in football. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And even, you know, the move like signing Tag McKinley, I think he's only going – he's, what, again, like three, four million. So that's definitely a low-risk, high-reward, you know, possible move, especially given he'll get the work opposite of Miles Garrett. So that'll take a lot of attention off of him. Definitely. But some teams have made – you know, and there are other teams that we left out that also had some great additions. Uh, so, you know, so far free agency has been very entertaining – and it's setting us up for, uh, you know, an amazing season coming up. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Uh, do you have some a team or two maybe you want to toss out there real quick? Maybe you haven't liked some of the moves they made? Mm. There's not really a team that I – you know, there's a lot of teams that haven't made any moves, and I feel like they're waiting right. for the draft. You know, you got teams like, you know, Green Bay – and Buffalo, you know, those are teams that I thought that were maybe would have made a splash, uh, you know, after shedding some salary cap, cap room. So, you know, right. not there's no team that I had, you know, I really would give a feeling grade to or that I didn't like their additions. I think the teams that have been most active that, you know, have all made some solid pickups. I agree with you. Uh, I guess if anything, uh, the Raiders, what, they lost like all – five or maybe four of their five offensive linemen. I was surprised, you know, they traded uh, Rodney Hudson to Arizona. Their uh, center. You know what? I, I forgot about that. They traded Trent Brown uh, back to New England. They did resign. Right, Richie. Yeah. They traded Rodney, uh, Rodney Hudson, but they did resign Richie Incognito after releasing him, you know, earlier. I think last week, two weeks ago, they released them, but they did. They were able to bring them back today. But losing, you know, mm. Rodney Rodney Hudson is one of the best centers in the game, and Trent Brown is a a a good, you know, good right tackle. So I think losing those guys is definitely going to hurt, especially with the way John Gruden likes to run the football. But hopefully, John Gruden and Mike Mayock, you know, have a plan for replenishing what they lost in the offensive line. No doubt, no doubt. Well, they will. So. We'll see. We're going to stick with the NFL here. Now we're going to discuss our top five remaining free agents. Now, for me, at number one, I had Trent Williams, but that was prior to him signing that massive contract. So now my number one is Kenny Galladay. I think he's easily the best receiver left, and he's the best player left. You know, his size, his catch radius, his route running, his, and his production is what sets him apart uh, from the rest of the receivers on rest of the receivers on the market. I saw reports today by ESPN that he was, you know, visiting the Giants and that there's other teams that have, you know, thrown some thrown offers his way. Uh, so, you know, I'm interested to see where King Gallagher decides to go. But he's definitely my number one. I actually agree with you. Kenny Gallagher is my number one, too. Uh, like you said, up until Trent Williams got signed, he was my clear-cut top guy. But I think Gallagher – I think the latest I saw, he might have a visit with the Giants. Uh, so they definitely could be a possible landing spot for him. Um, but I think he's a number one receiver when healthy. He's had 2,000-yard uh, receiving seasons, including uh, 2019. 
He led the league in receiving touchdowns with 11. So I definitely think wherever he goes next, it's going to be interesting to see how much they pay him, whether or not he gets number one receiver type money, just given his injury history. Um, Cause I think this last season, he missed a lot of time with the hip injury. So uh, like I said, the Giants would definitely be a team to keep an eye on for him or Baltimore. And the thing with Kenny Galladay is, you know, he only had, I think he's only had, you know, 65 plus receptions uh, in 18 and 19. He only had 65 to 70 receptions in both mm-hmm. of those seasons. So, you know, I'm imagining if he goes to a team that throws him the ball a lot more, you know, what his numbers would look like. Because he was able to pull up great numbers, you know, with apparently what looks like limited targets. Well, limited with a limited amount of receptions, right, I would say. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But for my number two, I agree with you. He could definitely be up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but for my number two, I have another receiver. Uh, Will Fuller is my number two. Will Fuller is a game changer, especially when he's healthy. He's a burner, one of the fastest guys in the NFL. Uh, but there's been problem. He's never played sixteen se- sixteen games in a, in a single season. And he's a little bit inconsistent. I think last year was definitely his best season, but he missed the last, you know, five games because of a suspension. So I think he was well on his way to having his first 1,000-yard season. But I think definitely, you know, if he goes to the right system, right team, I think Will Fuller has the tools to be one of the best receivers in the game. I can't disagree with you on that one. Uh, Will Fuller is definitely a good option. Uh, But I got at number two. I got safety Anthony Harris, uh, who played for the Vikings last season. He emerged, you know, over the last two seasons or so as one of the best safeties in the league. Uh, he's pretty versatile. And uh, I think – I actually thought he might go to the Browns. Uh, but, you know, now that they've gotten John Johnson, that definitely crosses them off the list. Um, so, at this point, I'm thinking maybe – Trying to think of who else has some money. I don't know. Uh, Cowboys, maybe. Would they have enough to sign Anthony Harris, you think? They, they should. I say maybe the – I say the Cowboys or somebody like the Raiders, they could go after them. You know, I, yeah, there, there's definitely some teams that need a safety. Like I said, like you mentioned, Raiders, uh, Cowboys. Right. So, you know – Anthony Harris, he's in my top five. He wasn't my number two, but he's in my top five. And I honestly don't have a problem with you having him at number two, to be honest with you. No doubt. uh, For me, I think he's the best defender left on the board. Now, for me, for my number three, I think you're – I know you definitely got a problem with this. For my number three, I have Jadavian Clowney. It's my number three. What? Although he missed most what? of last, although he missed most of last season, he is the ultimate, the definition of a boom or bust player. When he's healthy and when he's on, he can wreck any game plan. He can destroy any offensive line single handedly when he on, when he's on, and when he's healthy. But the problem is he hasn't been healthy. Pretty much, as, you know, he's he's played, you know, I think sixteen games at least once. Uh, but he's missed, you know, a solid amount of games mm-hmm. in his career. And, you know, there's times it looks like where his motor isn't running as high as it should. But when it is running, it looks like one of the best defensive linemen in football. But I think at this point, you know, if you do sign him, it's going to be like a one-year proof of deal. So he's not 
It's not you're not going to pay them 15, 16 million dollars for one year. I can see a team paying them six or seven for one year. And if they get the best version of this Damian Clowney, and I see him back in position next year to get a big contract. No doubt. You definitely knew I was gonna have something to say about that. Cause I I at this point, I'm not too big on Jadavian Clowney anymore. He's had too many chances. Uh but I don't know, maybe wherever he goes next, he can, you know, find some of that form when back when we were comparing him to Julius Peppers. But <laughs> at number three, I actually have somebody who's a little bit more reliable than Jadavian Clowney and probably has a better track record. But I'm going with Melvin Ingram uh, from the Chargers, who's actually still out there on the market. I know this past season he actually uh, got injured, had a knee injury. uh, So that, that pretty much put him on the shelf after seven games. But his past, like, five seasons before that, he had seven sacks, seven sacks, Ten and a half twice and eight. Uh, so I just think he he has the production. If he can come back healthy, he can go to a possible contender. They might even get him for a bargain, given the fact he's coming off an injury. And I think he's a guy that could definitely make a huge difference for a team. Mel, you know what? I don't I don't really have a problem with that. Melvin Ingram has been one of the most consistent uh, pass rushers in the game over the last four or five seasons. And like just like Jadavion Clowney, he missed a lot of time last year with a knee injury. Uh, but Melvin Ingram right. is also uh, – he's in his 30s. I think he's 32, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, I don't see him getting – no. I don't see him getting more than a one- or two-year deal uh, at that age. At age 31. 32. He's 31. 31. 31. So, I don't see him getting he's more 31. than – yeah. yeah, I don't see him getting you know, more than a two- or three-year deal uh, at this point. Oh yeah, that's why that's why I think a contender, a contending team would be the best spot for him. And like I said, given his injuries coming off of, I believe he tore his ACL, if I'm not mistaken. Uh I know for sure it was a knee injury, but given that, he could, you know, sign for pretty cheap. From honestly, for me, he gets he gets the Matthew Judon uh treatment. He's a solid pass rusher, but he's not spectacular. Like he's not gonna put up He's not going to consistently put up, you know, 10, 11, 12 sacks. Right. He'll give you, you know, anywhere from seven to about 10 and a half. And that's, you know, at his very best, which is still solid nonetheless. Uh, but, you know, he's a, he's, a, he's a solid player. He's a good player. Yeah, and, I mean, he's good against the run, too. He's pretty yeah, good against the run. That's true. That's true. He, he's one of the more athletic defensive ends in the, in the NFL. No doubt which, like we said, going back to the injury, hopefully that hasn't zapped too much of his athletic ability, given the fact he's on the wrong side of 30 now. True, true. For my number four, I have safety Anthony Harris. Uh, Last year, he didn't have an interception, which is kind of surprising to me, Uh, but that does happen to some of the great, to some of the best players in the game. There's years where, you know, you just don't get the opportunities like previous years in the previous two seasons combined. He had nine interceptions. Uh, he's one of the best in the game when it comes to playing the deep middle. You know, he's you know the definition of a you know a true of of a free safety. He's able, like I said, he's able to play that deep middle, uh, control that that third of the field. And he's a he's a solid player. He's 28, 27, mm-hmm. 28. Uh, so you know, I can I can see him getting a four or five year deal. Right. I don't know what the month what the market looks like for him right now, 
But I do, you know, whatever team does sign him, they'll get a a, a good player uh, in, on their back end, a good veteran player on their back end. No doubt. We both, uh, you know, obviously we both agree Anthony Harris is a good player. Uh, wherever he goes, he'll definitely be a huge asset to his team. Uh, but for me, at number four, I actually got Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, of course, ever since Antonio Brown left, he hasn't really been the same player. Uh, we thought he'd emerge as a number one receiver, but we just haven't seen that yet. So, you know, that is a huge question mark surrounding his free agency. But, I mean, if we're being honest, I'd probably take him over Corey Davis. And I probably – I think I'd take him over Will Fuller too. Uh, he's a guy – he's not afraid to go over the middle. He can work out of the slot, work on the perimeter. Um, you know, and I just think he could use a change of scenery at this point in his career. I just don't think – I don't see him going back to Pittsburgh. I don't see him going back to Pittsburgh either, but they transition uh, because I actually have Juju at my number five. I think he's a, he's great as a number two receiver. He's physical, uh, does the dirty work, runs all the routes across the middle, crossers, you know, slants, and breaking routes. He blocks. I just don't think he's a number one. Like you said, in year two, opposite Antonio Brown, he put up 1,400 yards. The last two seasons combined, he doesn't have 1,400 yards combined over the last two seasons. Uh, he has one 100-yard receiving game during the regular season, during his last 28 regular season games. So that's not number one receiving material. And I, and I don't expect him to get paid number one receiving money. And honestly, I would take Corey Davis over Juju Smith-Schuster, to be completely honest with you. Interesting, interesting. I can't be mad at that. And I left out, too. I forgot to mention – before Curtis Samuel got signed, I actually had him as my second best uh, free agent left on the board because, for one, Will Fuller, he's a speedster, but Curtis Samuel has the same speed, but he brings more versatility. Um, he can line up all over the field just about. And like you said, last season, as the third option in that offense, he still managed to get a thousand yards from scrimmage. So, like you said, in Washington, he'll definitely be able to get a lot of shine opposite of Terry McLaurin. Definitely. That's going to be a nice pairing right there for Ron Fitzpatrick to swing it to uh, Terry McLaurin and, you know, Curtis Samuel and, you know, Antonio Gibson out of no the backfield. Plenty of, plenty of good options. Like you said, all they need is a tight end. Oh, yeah. And I, I you know, honestly, I can see them signing Gerald Everett before before the end of this that'd season. Be, no, be before the before up. the end of this week, I can see them signing Gerald Everett. Uh, hopefully, they do because I, I, you know, I like this. You know, Washington is going to be a, a very good team. I think they're honestly. I feel like oh, yeah. they're probably in an elite quarterback away from winning the Super Bowl. To be clear, especially with their defense. I honestly can't disagree with you. Uh, I and if I had to say too, they probably need a left tackle. Uh, which is still a few options, which he's not great, but you got uh, Villa Nueva that came from Pittsburgh. Uh, he's a right tackle, but you know, Kansas City released Mitchell Schwartz, he could be an option, so they definitely got options to shore up their offensive line. And as we've said, they could be a huge factor next year. So and keep an eye on Washington. 
Oh yeah, and if it if it you know if it comes between you know picking up a tight end or signing the two a couple offensive linemen, I would say definitely go for the offensive linemen because you do got to you got to protect your quarterback. Right, exactly. Um, so pretty much, like I just mentioned his name, but uh, I think it was time for me to give my fifth my fifth free agent. Right, yeah, I got Will Fuller. Like you said, he's a speedster. He could take the top off a of defense, um, and he's definitely on the upward trajectory. His only issue, you know, he's battled a few injuries. I know certain points in his career he's battled drops, and then most recently he's dealing with the uh, PED suspension. So I think he may miss like one game next year. Uh, but you know how NFL teams are used that against them to knock some dollars off their contract. But I definitely feel like a team like Green Bay, which it should have happened at the trade deadline last year, but Green Bay is probably is no better fit for them than there. You know, like you said, Will Fuller's been linked to Green Bay since last season, <clears throat> but I don't know if they have the cap space to actually sign him to bring him in, and I don't know what kind of money's money he's kind of he's demanding. So uh, I kind of want to know that first before you know. But I, I, you know, I think he fits any team that needs a deep threat because he is one of the best deep threats in the game, and I feel like he strikes a little fear in defenses. I agree with you, but I, I feel like you can't go in, you can't go in expecting him to be a number one. I think if you have an established number one, and he's your number two, and then that'll, you know, I think that's how he should best be utilized. No doubt, and I mean, even at Green Bay. Not only would you have Devontae Adams, but shoot, even, you know, they brought Aaron Jones back. He's a weapon out of backfield all on his own. So, technically, he'd be the number three option. So, he'd have a lot of eyes off of him in that offense. And they also brought back Robert Tunyon. Who had who's 10. a very underrated tight end. Yes. He had 10 touchdowns. By the way, he, he had 10 by the way you season. notice he broke – he broke out last year. Last offseason, he worked out with George Kittle. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yes, sir. Best but Green Bay, in the league. You know, Green Bay being able to bring him back, uh, that was that was big time, too. I think, you know, like you said, he's one of the more underrated tight ends in football. Yeah, I completely agree with you. But – you know, I think that they let Jamal Williams, he signed with the Lions, I believe I saw earlier. And I figured so he would. Aaron, yeah, I figured he'd be the odd man out. Yeah, because they drafted A.J. Dillon in the second round last year. Uh, he came right. on late during the season. So they have a solid one-two punch with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. No doubt, no doubt. Which that'll help. That'll help with Aaron Jones being productive throughout that three-year contract he got because he got paid pretty good. Oh, yeah, he did. He did. But let's move on here to our final topic here. Um, it's that time again of the year, uh, March, March Madness, coming up relatively soon. Quinn, uh, so give me your NCAA tournament preview. Uh, give me a breakdown of some of your notable selections, uh, upsets, who you got to win it all. You were having the final four. I want to hear it all. Uh, for me, you want to hear from me this segment. I haven't really gotten too much of an opportunity to really watch college basketball at all because of my work schedule. They play pretty much while I'm at work. Uh, so Quinn is going to talk the entire segment. So Quinn, go ahead. 
floor shows. Yep. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Alley you, bro. Uh, but this definitely should be an exciting NCAA tournament this year. Of course, the play-in games will start on tomorrow night. But uh, up until yesterday, there was actually still speculation about whether or not some teams would have to be taken out uh, due to, you know, the testing and stuff with coronavirus. Uh, but now that the field is officially set, I have filled out my bracket. Uh, and I will go ahead and pop it off and say, in my final four, so I have Gonzaga out of the West region, and then I have – I actually have Alabama coming out of the East. And then in the South region, I have Ohio State. The Midwest region, I have Illinois. Uh, but I just want to point out some interesting picks I made on my bracket. So I actually have number 13 oh, upsetting uh, Virginia – Virginia's a four seed, but, uh, you know, recently during their ACC tournament, the semifinal round, they actually had a positive COVID test. So they were one of the top offensive units, but we know how big, you know, a rhythm is going into the NCAA tournament. And they just, they haven't been able to build that. So, you know, given the way that they play, I feel like a team like Ohio could definitely put them on upset alert. Uh, and then in that same region, I was definitely torn on Iowa and Kansas. That should be a really good Sweet 16 matchup. Uh, but Luca Garza, one of the best players in the country, uh, they surrounded him with shooters. So I definitely had them edging out Kansas. But they did fall to Gonzaga in the next round. And then looking at the East region, a lot of people are shocked by Alabama this year. Typically, they're good at football, but they also won the SEC. Man, take that shirt off. <laughs> they actually won the SEC championship and basketball, too, uh, much to a lot of people's surprise. You know, they were led by uh, Herb Jones, who was actually SEC player of the year and defensive player of the year, and then head coach Nate Oates. But they play great defense. They have a lot of three-point shooters. And they just have that perfect formula uh, that's made for a deep tournament run. So I actually had them upsetting Michigan. Of course, Michigan is a very talented team. Uh, they were the top team uh, in the Big Ten, which was easily the best conference in college football this year. But ultimately, uh, they've shown some signs of rust, especially in the conference tournament. So I have Bama edging them and Bama getting to the Final Four. And then looking at the other side in the South region. So this is a pretty good region. Uh, Ohio State's a dangerous team. Baylor's a dangerous team. Uh, Wisconsin's always lurking around. You got Villanova, Texas Tech, even Arkansas. Uh, but I got Ohio State coming out of this region, upsetting Baylor. Ohio State's found a good one-two punch in EJ Liddell and Dwayne Washington. Um, and, you know, Baylor, they've been one of the best teams all season. But the Buckeyes, once again, I said the Big Ten has been the best conference in college basketball this year. And Ohio State has actually beaten Michigan, Illinois, and Iowa, who are all top five teams. So they've shown they can beat literally anybody in the country. 
Uh, so I have Ohio State reaching the Final Four. And then in the last region, the Midwest region, I actually have Illinois making it out. This is actually a pretty good region. Also, you got some strong teams. Uh, Ohio State, I mean, Oklahoma State, sorry, who's led by Kay Cunningham. You got Tennessee. You got West Virginia. Houston is an elite team this year. But Illinois, uh, you know, you got Kofi Cogburn. I mean, people have made comparisons to Shaq. He's been a monster in the paint this year. And then I'll probably botch his name, but it's Ayo Dasumu. He's definitely a lock for a top 10 pick in the NBA draft this year. Uh, he's a bucket getter. He's a one-man band if he has to be. Uh, but, I mean, he's been a monster. But even when he was sidelined for four games, Illinois showed that they have the supporting cast and the balance that you need on a team to make a deep tournament run. Uh, so I actually have Illinois and Gonzaga facing each other in the national championship game. I do have Gonzaga edging them. Uh, of course, right now they're undefeated. So I do think that is going to add some pressure to them in the tournament. But, you know, Corey Crispert or Kispert, uh, first team All-American, Drew Tim is a monster. And then freshman Jalen Suggs, he's definitely lived up to his five-star billing. Uh, and Mark Fuse been to the, you know, championship a few times. So this team has the balance. They have a good amount of experience and they have the head coaching edge. And that's why I have them ultimately pulling out this year's NCAA tournament. Like I said, I didn't really get to, I didn't get to watch any college basketball. So mm -hmm. that was, that was great analysis. I'm going to definitely try to tune in for the, for at least some of the tournament, if not most of it, if I'm able to, uh, but that was, I, thank you for your analysis there and, you know, your rhyme and reasoning. But is there anything else you need to add? Anything else you want to add? I guess one last thing I want to add, uh, we will be doing a group for the tournament bracket for NCAA tournament. Uh, we'll be posting it in the Facebook group and on our social media pages. Uh, like I said, I picked Gonzaga. Feel free to pick whoever you want. I just know my bracket is going to be the most accurate at the end of the tournament. Uh, it is a private group, so we'll be sharing the password. Uh, but other than that, that's all I got. Well, we just want to thank y'all for continuing to support us. Thank you for following our social media pages, interacting, you know, with our posts, you know, especially in the Facebook group. Shout out to y'all. Y'all do a lot of interacting. Uh, a lot of we get interactions on Twitter as well. So we just want to thank everybody for continuing to support us. And this is episode 44 of the First and Foremost Sports Podcast. I am Jimmy. Oh, what you got? One last thing real quick. Just got a notification. The Vikings signed Patrick Peterson to a one-year, $10 million deal. Mm. And Seattle so that's, also – That's definitely a, a pretty – my bad, and, go ahead. And Seattle traded a 2021 fifth-round pick to the Raiders for offensive lineman Gabe Jackson. He was their starting left guard. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So that's a good pickup for them, too, because they definitely need the offensive lineman. Oh. Uh, and the Vikings, that's – oh, my bad. I know. Go ahead. Pat Pete to the Vikings. That's, I didn't expect yeah. that at all. 
That's yeah, that was a sneaky good pick pickup. And you know, they also signed uh Dalvin Tomlinson uh on the D line, and that they actually got him, I think, only for around 11 million a year. So, you know, compared to some other guys, that was pretty cheap. So uh definitely the Vikings are making some moves too. And I, I know I know we've been talking in you know, the last couple of days. And I said Patrick Peterson will probably sign about a one-year, ten, eleven million dollar deal. Yeah, he signed for ten. So I'm actually shocked he didn't go to a contender. I was thinking, I was thinking Kansas City or even sliding to Tampa for the, for the minimum or something like that. Nah, not no minimum, not Pat Pete. I, I mean, you know, some guy, some you some know. guys, some guys care more. You know, some guys want to win the championship, but I mean, for me, Patrick Peterson. I think he's a Hall of Famer. So I mean, yeah. I think I think you know yeah. in terms of I think in terms of the NFL, it's probably the highest uh, honor that you can receive as being a Hall of Famer. I think honestly, I believe Patrick Peterson is a Hall of Famer. No doubt, uh, he's definitely been a lockdown corner for a good majority of his career. Uh, while he's definitely not the same player, he's definitely still a top tier coverage corner in the league. So. That's that's gonna be a difference maker. Shout out to Pat Pete for getting his money. But like I said, we want to thank y'all for to continuing to support us. This is episode 44 of the first and foremost sports podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Covington. And I am the one and only Quentin Douglas. And we out. Thank y'all. Deuces. <laughs>